0: Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And we, The Scoop team, just got back from ECC in Paris. And so the next few episodes were recorded live in studio in Paris, starting with Lawrence Day. Hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, well, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Maybe yeah, we can start by much. talking a little bit about your background and yes. just introduce... The audience to yourself. <laughs> I think a lot of you peop- have one of my favorite Twitter bios by the way <laughs> it's it? like all the like you know what you've been described by in the press but I think one of them is made up.
1: Uh, I've had the absurdist from an absurdist from Bloomberg a disappointment from my mother. Yeah, that's At a, right. At a bastard from James May <laughs> a scholar from Coindesk with some of them. I, I I find it funny where like I, I think I've I've now posted my face so many times and become like the subject of so many memes that I will now walk up to bars and people will tap me on the shoulder and go, Can I have a selfie? And this terrifies me.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like I, I live in a forest
0: in Yorkshire. <laughs> this this is not what normal life looks like. Well, I have wait, before we get into the background, I have a theory about that. Go on. Because it happens to me as well, where I don't really get noticed in like big cities, but when I lived in Sarasota, that's where I got noticed the most. And I think it's because, like, people don't expect. It's more jarring. Yeah. To see someone like you in an environment like the countryside of Yorkshire, <laughs> yes. Or me in like a beach uh, town in southern Florida. Yeah, I agree. And so you kind of, it, it becomes more evident of your. Being somewhere you, I guess, don't necessarily it, yeah, if your belong. pattern
1: matching works a bit differently like that, yeah. But like I said, like I, I really enjoy walking through the streets of Paris for these because I see a bunch of people who, through like you know, by reputation or just by shirt or what have you, that I know. Um, like I, I was checking into um, my hotel, and it turns out that the guys from Tenderly are there in mass, and we all kind of had the the pointing at each other Spider-Man and going, oh, "We're all staying here. It's wonderful." Um, but, yeah, for people who don't know my face, which is probably weird given I post it so much, my name is Lawrence. Um, background wise, I, I used to be an academic and a, um, I worked in financial risk in banking for um, many years. I did computer science, I was a Haskeller. I should, by rights, be working for Cardano. Um, nowadays, it's a weird mix between solidity development. Um, I work. Um, with Euler Finance now as part of like their, their grand resurgence. I've also recently accepted some funding from Wintermeet Ventures mm-hmm. to work on uh, something else, which uh, to this day people are not entirely sure is real or not. And, <laughs> and I don't either. That works very well for me. And I also spend time at law school now.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yes. It's, um, I think I mentioned this prior, but uh, it turns out law school is pretty easy if you can read.
0: <laughs> yeah, and what's the, what's the point of that, just in case, you know, they try to get you? It's <laughs> <laughs> one of those real, you know, you need a criminal lawyer. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, um, two years ago, I worked um, as a contributor to Indexed Finance, mm-hmm. which was attacked. And as, once we identified the guy, we spent um, a pretty significant amount of time talking to solicitors, like white-collar regulatory criminals, about, like, what's the grounds on which we, we file a suit? And so we had to explain AMMs and um, slippage and flash loans and what have you. Like the notion of Uniswap mm-hmm. and like what it means like for the EVM to kind of accept and close out a transaction immediately um, at a couple of hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. And so we burned through six figures in legal fees. And I think like about halfway through, I went, it should be me. Like, I can help. Mm-hmm. Um, the UK is currently having this... Um, and they're making very friendly noises towards um, regulatory um, kind of acceptance of, course, of yeah. crypto. Uh, I think this is probably one of the great reasons why A16Z has decided to start opening up um, their, like, their second wing over there. And even though I don't think this actually manifests on the ground so far in terms of like uh, the FCA clamping down on stuff, the recent headline was memes may count as violating crypto advertising rules. Mm. The wording is there. And so there are currently law commission um, uh, consultations coming out from places like uh, for things like CBDCs, how should we handle DeFi, what is a smart contract, how should they be treated legally. And I thought, well, I'll meet them halfway because I'm a developer, I worked in banking. If I can also kind of at least partially talk the talk in terms of law stuff, then that works really well, I think. so far as I said like I live in a forest i don't live like in london where uh, where everything's happening, so occasionally <laughs> i'll just stick my head up and go no i 'm here too yeah um it's it's been an interesting experience
0: so tell us a little bit about what you're working on um, as part of that wintermute grant
1: so um yeah, i'm working on wildcat it's a uh, in short it's a revolving credit facility you you see these um Protocols exist already with things such as Maple and Clearpool, Atlantis. Aave has it with ARK and Credit Delegation. Um, When you see um, a new token come out, for example, um, often Wintermute will be the ones that are approached to do the OTC um, for a market-making deal. I think normally what they do is they say, we'll take a percentage of a token for a year, we'll market-make with it when it gets listed, and then we also want a long-dated call option on it. So after a year, if it's worth X, we can buy it. Mm-hmm. This happened with, say, Arbitrum. Um, what happens, though, is because, you know, the Arbitrum Foundation is a legal entity, so as Wintermute, what they do is they paper something up and they, you know, it, it goes into a draw somewhere. And there was a huge furore when, um, like, some tokens got moved and, you know, like the worst people on crypto Twitter started saying, yeah. oh, look, the Wintermute TWAP engine is on again. It's like, not really realising the, the process. Like, I'm one of these kind of utilitarian believers in DeFi where I think that we should be putting stuff on chain. Chain checkers, stuff is great. Arkham aside. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of helping build that kind of these kind of OTC like deals um, should be put on chain. Um, More generally, the stuff I'm working on uses fixed rates. So if you're a market maker and you want to borrow some money for whatever purpose on any token, a lot of the protocols right now have utilization based curves. So, you know, the more of the pipeline you use up, the more you're paying. And market makers are probably more interested in paying lower fixed rates, mm-hmm. ones that they can control, right? If they're the ones that pick their, say, like their OTC desk um, clients.
0: So existing platforms, like the, the more utilization that the market maker has, the higher in fees they're paying.
1: Yeah, so this is a very common thing for places like, you know, on Aave and what have you, which is slightly different because there's many lenders, many borrowers. Um, so, you know, if there's a market that's got, say, 80 million available and borrowers are taking 75, 76 of it out, then the way that the rate curve goes is you're paying something like mm-hmm. 18, 19% on things, which is great, you know, if you're a lender and it's that yeah. so the things that you're lending. Le- len- that's a great <laughs> word, i <laughs> made that one up, um, are, are in demand. Yeah. But let's say if it's a, if it's a many to one, uh, there's not really like much of a mechanism to correct the capital demand there. So. I never thought I'd be the guy who basically pitched for like liquid
0: on-chain bonds, which is what a wildcat vault is, mm-hmm. but that's that's what I'm building. Um, mm. I think and then like once you have like some of these products in the crypto credit market as it were, you have more information I think derived from those products yeah. that then make for a more robust market structure. Like yeah. if you have a sort of interest rate that you can you know rely on.
1: You get a lot of play. Um, I they'll have to forgive me for not remembering their names right now. But there are a couple of protocols that are out there right now, which are trying to effectively set the the benchmark for um, DeFi lending on um, like stables, mm-hmm. for example. So you know, let's say right now they've um, they kind of link with with like short-term T bills or what have you, and they say like you know we now like we're the index of. Um, say like a bond, that's like 7% on USDC or what have you. And and that's informative as well, to the degree that it scales. Um, I think the stuff that I'm trying to work on is trying to, it's useful for Widsmute to to kind of look the walk um, a little bit and say like, like, we're bringing stuff on chain. Uh, We want some visibility. It also helps that they get to kind of select their lenders and what have you. Um, It's it's a weird dichotomy because you, if you kind of take the view of DeFi that I do, you're like, okay, we want stuff on chain. We want it to be visible. You don't want any kind of like backroom shady stuff. Like we saw what happened when, um, kind of in the, the collapse of Terra, um, where like the yeah. various dominoes that fell from there like took out Three hours Capital. Um, so that like, we saw what it had, it ended up happening to Celsius and what have you. And we're like, maybe it would be good if we kind of had like emergency systems like to detect this stuff early. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, entities like this that have a profit are like, well, we don't want to show our entire ass the entire time, and I respect that. But I think when you're dealing with stuff like foundations that have a DAO or you know for, for new stuff, or just like general operations, it would be nice to at least kind of give a glimpse into uh, what you're working on.
0: Well, you would think it ins- it would instill more confidence um, because even during that whole process the question was, or they can be able to backstop it with, with money from Jump or whomever. Yeah. And if if there were if there was an emergency sort of setup underpinning uh, the the protocol, people maybe would have had would, there wouldn't have been a run to the same extent. Yeah. Um, that there was.
1: Yeah, I find this kind of fascinating. Like, um, I remember the Worm whole attack, and you know that kind of like that six hours of panic whatever mm-hmm. it was until kind of jump stepped in and filled the void. I think in my, my talk later today i say it was about 24 hours. It might have been mm-hmm. actually. Um, yeah, I I think that... Um, what was one that was really interesting? I, I think like another fascinating thing about kind of information um, that should be on chain that doesn't really give the game away is say during the USDC DPEG mm-hmm. of a couple of months ago and um, what the three pool went down to like 90 cents on the dollar for USDC. And of course... You have Circle, who you say, you know, stuff is still redeemable one to one and people panic, react right, on chain, maybe don't understand how the three pool works. Something like, say, a ZK proof of, you know, kind of, I, I think Binance uses this term, the proof of, like, proof of reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, the degree to which that's valid or not. So I, I think that's the kind of thing that you could be like, cool, we're showing you some information, you know, make of that what you will.
0: Yeah. Knowing where the cash is as well. I mean, if they would have just. I think they were just too late in responding, as as well. That's part of the issue. I think
1: if you work for a company like Circle and you realize like you're the you're the focus of attention here and having to go through lawyers because you know you're I mean if you're under scrutiny yeah. like they most certainly are you kind of don't want to jump the gun and I realize like I spend a lot of my time talking about this stuff and working on it in this kind of dichotomy um, where I go. Stuff should be private. Stuff should be decentralized. Stuff should be, um, uh, you know, kind of like we're avoiding middlemen and yeah. Have you. And then at the same time, what's your
0: mental model for for that?
1: Like um, psychosis, to be honest with you, where I just completely have two separate trains of thought. Where the other half of it is, yeah, we should be publicizing reserves. We should be like, you know, using some zk tech for that. We should be like, kind of for for established middlemen now. And I don't think it's an insult to call. Places like Circle and Tether and various stablecoin things, as well as exchanges, the middlemen that often people rail about. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you kind of have a moral duty to uh, to post stuff up, and a bunch of them are doing a really, really good job of it. Um, I think that, like, for some market makers or various, like, say, new token launches, there's more that could be done. Um, I spent a lot of my time digging through like legal filings and um, like as we all did, kind of in the collapse of hedge funds and stuff. Going, Mm -hmm. oh, we've just got deals for money. really just like sitting under the coffee mug here Mm -hmm. which was fascinating to read through
0: i mean those have been so those have been really wild to parse through i mean especially the most recent block five one that dropped where zach prince is like um someone on his staff warned him about the FTT exposure and he was like
1: Oh, what could
0: possibly go wrong here? No dramas. (laughs) It's absolutely fine. I think. Is it in the
1: last twenty-four hours or so? I think they um, people have finally started kind of parsing over Alex Mashinsky's mm-hmm. um, charges at Celsius, and uh, they're looking for like centuries of jail time, basically.
0: Is it? Is that <laughs> the case? It's
1: something like that, you know. Like, a, like a, <laughs> I mean, like, the degree to which like you'll get it, but they're like, here's a thirty-year charge, is a twenty-year charge, is a ten-year charge. It's like, we'll just round them all up. <laughs> I'll just call that a solid century. How does that sound? To yeah, me? we'll round it down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I'll never forget when I first met that guy um, he was in a room it was 2017 in a conference at a conference in Boston and he's just sitting like at this big table um, in like the VIP press section as you would room yeah and you I could just feel him waiting for people to, like come up and like oh. a, a, you know Adore oh, him. It's it's, a it's it's a, it's
1: a weird personality thing for like people like that. When you're like I I recognize I I believe myself to be
0: a big swinging dick. I, 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 had to I, use the I term. I'm anticipating being like oh I don't like
1: it. Yeah, it, it makes me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> it was very it was very unnerving. <laughs> I've done a pretty good job for the most part of either staying away from or just not like engaging with people you would consider big names mm-hmm. in crypto and e- exchanges like for the most part. I think part of it's where I live. Part of it's when I come to these conferences, I kind of hide out for the most part. Like, is mm-hmm. an exception where I just sit in the pub upside and I just go, literally whoever wants to come. Well,
0: now you're going to be, you know, internationally famous <laughs> after the scoop.
1: I'm pretty sure after my Bloomberg article where they posted a headline and then a picture of me talking about hackers, I became internationally <laughs> famous as well. Um, but no, that's that's a very good compliment. Andrew, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> the degree to which I hope that thanks will hold. Depending yeah. on how it goes. But um, I mean I have been straight in the color, like how your experience has been here at ECC. This is is this your first time? This is course? my
0: first one for ECC. i mm-hmm. I've done the Paris Blockchain Week twice. Um, it's it's definitely way more interesting because you have people building at the like blockchain level versus mm-hmm. I feel like Blockchain Paris is like more like at the application level, Yeah. like NFTs and gaming, and we're not really there yet. So it's like, and, and they're not, they're not at a point at which there's any degree of product market fit. Yeah. So like those companies just aren't as interesting. So their
1: narrative is we're so early. Yeah. <laughs> it and it's like is.
0: here, it's like, here's what we actually rolled out and deployed yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, so like this week had like a number of interesting headlines, I think like Uniswap X, which kind of feels like to me you know mimicking cow swap to a degree but it's like when we abstract fees it's like a
1: yeah. better
0: UX yeah. a better process Agreed. Agreed. Um, so it's just more tangible um, a lot of the people that are here versus a bit more here's what it's gonna look like in the future
1: Yeah, I have a great affection for this conference in particular it's the the only one that I insist on going to every year because like. This year alone, there's stuff like, here's how to scrape data effectively, here's some stuff on zero-knowledge machine learning. Here's mm-hmm. like, um, you had Austin Adams from Uniswap doing a child offensive on uh, V4 hooks mm-hmm. uh, for Uniswap and what that implies. And that's very much kind of more my style of, of talk to attend. Yeah. Um, he says hypocritically about to give a talk that is non-technical <laughs> <laughs> at all. Like, last year I spoke about all of the hacks that had happened mm-hmm. um, the year prior, of which there were 53 of them. And yeah, last
0: year was pretty bad. It was. And this
1: year I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just do the same thing, like that'll be my bit at ECC is just to, to talk about hacks. And uh, then there was the recovery of the Wormhole Funds so and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, there's a bunch of interesting questions. I guess, I guess I'm pivoting my talk on a dime.
0: So what did you, what did you unpack? Um,
1: slides will also go up for this like afterwards, but I, I think one of the things that having now done a year of law school you know, and speaking with the confidence that only someone who has done a year of law school can speak with <laughs> <No>. <laughs> is, um, so we, we see stories about exploits happening all the time, and mm-hmm. it's there's been a couple of incidents this year where we see counter exploits. Um, normally people are kind of like doing things like proxy upgrades of uh, contract code um, in such a way that uh, money can be stolen back. The, the jump, and Wormhole 1 was really interesting. Uh, so we all know what happened with the Wormhole hack. Um, mm-hmm. 120,000 ETH was stolen, moved around on chain. What was it,
0: like $300 million? Uh,
1: $320 million was yeah. the, uh, the, the stopgap that Jump uh, stepped in to meet, which was a pretty big flex. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't say I didn't sit back and like exhale a little bit when I read about that. But the, the funds moved around for a year and then they settled into an Oasis vault, which is automation enabled leveraged stuff. So basically what they were doing is they were taking some liquid staking derivatives and going long on it. And um, in short, they all- allowed an approval to something. Um, the Oasis team could do an upgrade and take it back uh, to give it a jump. The interesting thing I found about this is that what Oasis did was they effectively asked the UK High Court to give them an injunction forcing them to act so that they could kind of, I mean, this is my reading of it where they said, you know, we, there's a multi-sig, it's four of 12 and a wallet was added, which I think we can all presume was Jump who executed the exploit. And then some people from Oasis had to, to co-sign and they could point at an injunction and say, we've been forced to by the court. And I think the implications of that were really interesting. Like, let's say that, you know, Joe Bloggs um, brings a case against a DeFi protocol and says, I want you to, I want you to effectively like permit an mm. exploit of your own thing. Like, what if they say, no, I don't want to. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I don't feel like, uh, like blowing a hole open for things. Like, what is the strength of precedence about um, being asked to, um, to exploit your own protocol? There's, there's a bill currently in Illinois in the Senate that says that any blockchain network that, um, Processes a transaction from Illinois you can get an injunction that demands that a blockchain forks in order to like unwind the position or move balances And if you don't do it um, They'll charge you between five and ten thousand dollars a day. It's like, well, who are you Chuck? Char- who are you? Is it the validators? Is it? Um, is it the miners like this was it was it's a bad bill. It's never gonna pass, but it's I think it it's, well it
0: illustrates the confusion among yes. policymakers. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's uh, very much that um, John Maynard Keynes quote of, you know, we have, we have muddled the control of a machine that we do not fully understand. Yeah. <laughs> Which was from 1930, so it does very much feel like history rhymes in this respect. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point.
0: <laughs> so what do you think, um, how do you see uh, the space progressing as it pertains to breaches and hacks? How do we, how do we get to a place where, like, it's never going to be zero, but no. less prolific
1: the answer is, I, in terms of kind of dissuading people from doing it, I, I don't think we do. Right? Mm. Um, I, I I think like um, perhaps that the public policy answer there would be to say you are you know a, a psychotic thing like you're only allowed to interact with a contract if the underlying token is a reversible variant, um, so that you know like you can you can countermand it like within like a week mm-hmm. or something. That that does not work. It it's it's just not decent policy at all um it also completely blows up if you have a fully anonymous team right um who you you can't demand any action of and you're certainly never going to force a hard fork Mm -hmm. of things um we you know i I think you you can you can educate about like this is what happens like i think people that have exploited things this year have had a really bad run of it Mm. like you know there's been a lot of like it's been taken back people have been arrested have you like 10 miles from where we sit right now um, the uh, the purported oiler attacker is is sitting in a minimum security prison like he, he did a great job of that um, I don't have a good answer I, I, I don't pretend that that I know what the the right thing is for this I, I think
0: well I wonder if it's like projects themselves sort of putting more money towards like white hat hackers and you know making the systems more robust so you're kind of like the good guys are hacking before the bad guys get to.
1: This is this is a really interesting um, kind of thing because like you, you can rely on um, white hats to a degree. Um, the, the there's always this discussion that pops up whenever like there's a big one mm-hmm. where people say, well, um, the white hat should be eligible for ten percent of all of the TVL as well if they find it first. It's like well, that's not kind of how it works. Um, Because in order to get that ten percent, for example, you'd have to like actively pull out everyone's TVL. You'd have to like ruin a protocol in order to do it. It Yeah, that kind of number only works if like it exists in like the treasury of a protocol, um, which might not even be liquid. Um, I I think there's also the answer, which would be that you, you pour things into audits. But as you know, as we know, like audits. Themselves are not infallible. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I, we, we've all seen cases where you know like you you'll do four five six and then you'll make one line of code that'll blow something open and it's anyone who reads this code but like it's so easy to miss like mm-hmm. even formal verification right like you um, I think like the the optimal thing would be to use things like formal verification to like prove properties of contracts and what have you but it doesn't scale it's really expensive and. If it's something new, then you have to spend possibly months like working out what like the properties are that you need to um, to test. Like, and there just aren't enough people in the world right now that are able to do that kind of stuff well. Um, I do hope that kind of as time goes on, we'll start seeing more people going, "Hey, it's probably better if I take the white hat and I'm lauded as a hero, even if it's perhaps not." As large as I would if mm-hmm. I'd you know, taken it in removed.
0: But, but it's good reputational. Yeah, but then
1: you also see kind of like the counter story where you do get people who like turn to, to um, protocols in good faith and they get told, "Yeah, oh, thanks, here's hundred bucks." Yeah, they get robbed, and that and that instills a lot of bad faith. Yeah. Um, like when I was gotta be like a happy medium, and I, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily the person to uh, to, to come up with an <laughs> idea for that. I, I think I'm very much like I. I I can't I think pull back and look at it with a because I I've been on the ground of a lot of these incidents now and I think you know you're like oh, I uh, I don't know what the right way is to uh, to suggest yeah. the uh, how you tilt a grey hat white um, yeah. instead of black there's a there's a joke about um, a black hat turns grey once they've laundered their money and been caught enough times it's it's a terrible <laughs> ink running joke I'm so sorry for putting it
0: on your part. <laughs> I'm sure I've made worse uh, <laughs> what academic stuff is interesting you right now is anyone working on something that you'd want to point to or
1: um, I've been spending a lot of time myself looking at um, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much ZK stuff as I can right mm-hmm. now um, I will admit that um, far from the technical stuff where I'd normally Um, Find myself sticking my head. I'm doing things like more reading like the Stanford Journal of blockchain law and policy Mm. Because that's the kind of like I think it's just like I I don't want to say I'm rotating away from development work completely Like V4 hook stuff fascinates me. Mm. I'm really into ZK stuff Um, Kind of pretending that I still remember like how my cryptography goes and how like to build circuits and what have you Um, I was really fascinated by the eigenlayer paper when that came out. Um, I think that was something novel Although I, I have thoughts that I, you know, about, about like the implications of it as well. Like everyone thinks it's going to be like the next Aave and it's, it's a bit weird about kind of like how you secure other chains and what have you with existing state ETH. It's, yeah, it's very much now more, ah, uh, smart contracts, contracts and English law and uh, endless bickering about that from uh, some people who do know what they're on about and people who don't, <laughs> like, which is how we get things like the Illinois law.
0: Yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a lot more of that. I think it's it's interesting.
1: Um, it, at this point, it's so every every single thing, like like various like facet of blockchain tech, like has twenty rabbit holes that you can fall into. And I'm finding myself kind of like trying to peer down rabbit holes and going, "Oh, I could lose two years of my life to this." Hi, Frank. Hello. Is Frank yeah, yes.
0: just need like one more, All right, one more minute. Memito. I don't know how to end it at this point. Now. I guess <laughs> we can leave it we can leave it there. That's Thanks grand. so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you so appreciate much. It. I really appreciate We're going to it. We're gonna talk That's more about the Egan layer with uh, Mr. Merrick at Sella.